Welcome to High Cheese. It's Friday, September 8th, 2023. Let's go right to the House investigation of Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. And James Comer, the chairman of the House Oversight Committee, has requested additional correspondence, additional documents regarding Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, as it relates to Burisma. So the noose is getting tighter and tighter around Joe Biden's neck. But one thing that concerns me is uh, Speaker McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy, he seems to be dragging his feet on this whole impeachment inquiry. And he has two options. One is that he can go to the floor and ask for a House vote on the inquiry. But he doesn't need to do that. He could just do what Nancy Pelosi did against Donald Trump. See, she essentially just dictated it. She's like, I'm the Speaker of the House. I have the power to do this. And we're going to pursue impeaching Donald Trump. Why don't you take that route? You're the Speaker of the House. You speak for the House. Anything that you do has the full force of the House behind it. Now, Matt Getz has come out and said that, look, if McCarthy refuses to expedite this inquiry, he's going to move to have McCarthy replaced. Now, remember, during the process of McCarthy becoming Speaker of the House, remember they had number of rounds of voting, McCarthy acquiesced to a clause that said that all it takes is one member of the Republican constituency in the House to ask for a new vote on the Speaker of the House. And Getz has threatened this. He said, look, if you're not going to pursue this, I'm going to move to have you replaced as Speaker. And remember, all it takes is one person, one Republican to say, I want a new Speaker vote. And this shouldn't be the case. McCarthy should not have to be boxed in a corner on this. Now, in the back of his mind, I may not have enough votes for the ultimate impeachment of of Joe Biden, but that's your job. You're the leader. You've got to get those people that may be wavering to get on board with what's being done here. So we shall see. And boy, has it been a bad week for Joe Biden between the impeachment inquiry or the potential impeachment inquiry where we are at this point and these polls that came out from the Wall Street Journal as well as CNN which said that Donald Trump is either tied or beating Joe Biden. After four indictments, Donald Trump is beating Joe Biden. These are no friends of MAGA. These are polls that underreport Trump in these polls. So with that said, let's go to a clip, and it's with CNN. And you've got to listen to these people that are talking about this poll. And if you could read their faces, they're like saying, what the heck is going on here? We're supposed to be the people that dictate what goes on in this country. We've thrown the kitchen sink at Donald Trump, and he's still beating Joe Biden. I just get a laugh. So let's go to this clip, and then we'll come back and discuss. We have brand new CNN polling this morning, and those numbers are looking rough for President Biden. Could be a troubling sign for Democrats and the president's hopes for re-election in 2024. Biden's approval rating sinking to 39%. Nearly 60% of voters think Biden's policies are making the economy worse, and close to 70% of Democrats want somebody else to run for president. His overall approval rating among Democratic voters, that's slipping from July. And when it comes to hypothetical matchups between Biden and the leading GOP presidential candidates, it's a tight race. Yeah, and it's going to set off some alarm bells uh, in the White House, uh, no doubt. You noted uh, his approval rating is down at 39%, 61% of Americans disapprove. He's been hanging at that low point, guys, for quite some time. 
We talk about the mood of the country uh, 14 months out from a, from a presidential election. Not that great. Three in 10 Americans, that's it, say things are going well in the country. Seven in 10 say things are going badly in the country. And 58% of Americans in this poll say that Joe Biden's policies have actually worsened economic conditions in the country. Only 24% say they've improved economic conditions. And I just want to note, guys, one other thing that is going to cause agita for the White House team is this motivation factor. Are you extremely motivated to vote in next year's presidential election? Look at this. Republicans and Republican-leaning independents have a 10-point advantage over Democrats on that score. Yeah. And it's funny just to watch one or two of these reporters just squirming in their seat because in their arrogance, they firmly believe, no, we set the table for what the country talks about. We set the narrative. And they've been pounding Donald Trump since 2016, and it's not working. But here's the spin that they're trying to put on this thing. You know, they talk about the economic policies of Joe Biden that people aren't happy with. But they're trying to spin this about Biden's age. And they don't want you to know that it's about, even though they talk about it in the polls and they ask about it in the polls, the spin that they're putting forward is, oh, it's all because Biden's old. And with that said, let me go to a clip with Van Jones, one of the talking heads that CNN uses. And this is his spin on the poll. Uh, if, if Jim Messina says that we're bedwetters, invest in Pampers and dip because a lot of people are terrified <laughs> that Joe Biden is in real trouble and that you can't talk about it. So that's what's going on. But right now, today, uh, I think a lot of Democrats look at these numbers and say the whispers are finally showing up in this data. Uh, people are talking behind their hand. They worry about Joe Biden. Joe Biden's like that grandpa that you love, that you believe in, you owe a lot, but you you, you start to wonder, uh, you know, would, would you give this grandpa a high-stress job for six more years, or would you want something else for him? That's what's being talked about. And then Van Jones goes on to say, yeah, you know, that we just have to give it time for the economic policies to kick in. Really. They've already kicked in. They've given us high inflation high gas prices, young people that can't afford a home, and Van Jones is waiting for the economic policies to kick in. But he doesn't want to continue any real detailed discussion on the economy because they're not working. They're hurting the American people. And one more thing about this poll I just wanted to talk about is it was interesting that all of the Republicans in the Republican presidential primary, in this poll, are in a statistical tie or beat Joe Biden. I just find that strange. So you've got people polling at 2 3% in the Republican primary are in a statistical tie or beat Joe Biden. I just think that's kind of odd. Are the Democrats that took this poll just checking every box that's not Joe Biden? I don't know. But I just think that was kind of odd. But here's what they're missing. And it took Donna Brazil. Remember her? I think she's the former DNC chair that was caught slipping questions for a debate to Hillary Clinton during the Democratic primary. And I'm go I want to go to a Donna Brazil clip because she has said the unspoken word in Democratic circles. So let's go to the clip and then we'll come back and discuss. 
I'm old enough to say this. Uh, I've seen two movements outside of the social justice movements in my life on the political side. One was the Reagan movement. Reagan had a hold on his base, the country at large. They saw him as someone who was willing to stand up for American values, whatever that might have meant. Now, I thought it was reactionary. Uh, the other movement I saw was, was Barack Obama, hope and change. That galvanized the American people. I've never seen anything like this with Donald Trump. I mean, what doesn't kill you make you stronger? I mean, being convicted, I mean, being indicted, that's making him stronger? Raising $10 million using an ugly mugshot? Uh, to raise money, this is a movement. And anyone who thinks that you can apply the old political rules to trying to defeat this candidate based on he's scary, he's ugly, whatever you might want to call him, this is a movement. And we have to respect the fact that it's a movement. I'll also and one of the key takeaways on this is when Brazil says you can't apply the old political rules to Donald Trump. And that's a dog whistle to the Democrats in the deep state. You're not going to beat Trump by using the same old rules. We have to go extreme. We have to go asymmetric outside of the box. We have to go into dangerous territory. And we've started hearing it already. I saw a clip on Morning Joe. You have Joe Scarborough out there calling Donald Trump a rapist. You had the press cover this uh, Nazi group. So-called Nazis. They didn't look like Nazis. Maybe a few of them were. But they didn't look legit. And they interviewed the leader of the group. And apparently this is some group that wants to start some Aryan nation up in Maine, northern Maine. They want to buy property up in northern Maine and create their own Nazi Aryan nation. Supposedly. But it smells. And the funny thing is, is that the spokesperson or the leader of the group, I forgot what his name was. It's not relevant. But he crossed up his lines. He was interviewed and said that he actually supports Biden over Trump because Biden supports Ukraine. And Ukraine has a neo-Nazis in their parliament and the Azov group, which is a Nazi militia that is fighting against Russia. And that's why you didn't see too much press on this because the guy flubbed his lines. He was likely supposed to say, oh, I support Donald Trump. But he came out and said, I support Biden. And then on Thursday, we got this odd letter. It was a press release from these groups that support various presidential libraries. Well, let me just read the headline. And this is from The Hill. 13 presidential centers unify and call for civility, protection of democracy. And apparently, these 13 presidential centers, I guess which, which uh, financially support these presidential libraries, are calling for civility, protection of democracy, and respect in political discourse amid concerns over deepening national polarization in the United States. And this included, among others, the Hoover Library, the Bush Library, the Obama Library, the LBJ Library. I think the only library, the presidential library, that didn't sign off on this was the Eisenhower Library. And don't you find it ironic that the Eisenhower Library did not sign this? Eisenhower, the president that warned us against the military-industrial complex. His library did not sign this. But they get cute. They say a lot of nice things in here. But here's, here's what's really buried in this state. And let me just read one of the paragraphs here. Each of us has a role to play and responsibilities to uphold. 
Our elected officials must lead by example and govern effectively in ways that deliver for the American people. This, in turn, will help restore trust in public service. The rest of us, meaning us, must engage in civil dialogue, respect democratic institutions and rights, uphold safe, secure, and accessible elections, and contribute to local, state, and national improvements. Now, here's the hidden gem in this. The hidden gem in this is that they're saying we have to respect Democrat institutions and rights because they firmly believe that these bureaucracies, the deep state, these unelected officials represent democracy because they're all deep staters. They're all globalists. And that's the hidden message here. If you want to change our institutions, if you want to change our bureaucracies, that's wrong. Your role in America is to listen to these institutions, these corrupt institutions. Did I say these unelected institutions, these unelected bureaucrats? That's the hidden gem in this thing. Everything else is fluff. And I liken this letter in terms of a soft laptop letter. Remember the letter, the 51 spooks that signed a letter that said the Hunter Biden laptop is Russian propaganda? Well, this is a much softer version of this. It's a little cuter. Respect your elders. But in this case, the elders is the bureaucracy. And that's what MAGA is fighting. The undemocratic bureaucracy. And that's where the lines are drawn. These people in the deep state, the Democrats, they feel that these institutions reflect democracy. Well, they don't. Not today. And expect more. Expect more false flags out there because Donna Brazil came out and said it. Expect fake riots, expect nasty things to to happen, and then the media, the Democrats will try to blame the Republicans, try to blame MAGA, and Brazil is talking about releasing the hounds, and these are the hounds. So just be prepared, there's going to be a lot of fake things happening, and they're going to try to pin it on MAGA, pin it on Donald Trump, so just be aware of that. So we shall see. Now, anyone that tells you that these electronic voting machines are secure, they're just misleading you. Anything that requires software for its operation can be hacked. And think about it. Anything. You know, you talk to banks, you talk to these credit card companies, stores, they tell you, oh, the information you give us is totally secure. And then you get a letter months later saying, oh, we've been hacked and vital information about yourself has been released. And the same goes for these voting machines. As long as there is a program out there that runs these machines, they can be hacked. So when somebody tells you they're totally safe and secure, it's not the truth. And with that said, I just want to go to an article here. It's from NJ.com. And the headline says, election officials... Double-counted votes declared the wrong winner in New Jersey County, the Attorney General finds. And it says here, buggy software and human error, not fraud or funny business, were behind voting irregularities that led election officials in Monmouth County to declare the wrong winner in a local race last November, a state inquiry found. The general election snafu sowed confusion in four towns with contested races and cause a rare post-election day reversal in Ocean Township. 
that found the wrong candidate had been seated on the school board. It also prompted the state attorney general to launch an independent review, releasing its findings on Wednesday. And it found that certain safeguards designed to prevent double counting of votes were not in place, leading to the miscount. And before I go on, go back to my episode 66. This is where my first time experience as a poll worker, which was an absolute disaster because the machines did not work. So that's episode 66. Please listen to it. Just outlines the experience. The machine shut down. They didn't work. They told us if the machines go down, shake them. These are brand new machines. Cost the county millions of dollars. And they were telling the poll workers to, oh, shake the machines if they, uh, they go down. That's just absolutely crazy. So then the article goes on. It says, the, the trouble started in July 2022 when Monmouth County officials asked the company to help troubleshoot issues with their voting machines that later turned out to be simple network connection problems, according to the report. The employee they sent was improperly trained and reinstalled software in a way that disabled the machine's ability to tell if votes were counted twice. So that's all it takes. And I find it funny that the first line in the uh, article says, oh, it was software, not anything nefarious. And the manufacturer of this voting machine is ESNS. And it was the same company whose machines went down when I was working as a poll worker. So if you, have a, if you can have an employee come in, reinstall software, that disables the machine's ability to prevent double counting, that's a real weakness in the system. And remember, in government, as well as many things, you're only as good as your weakest link. And if these machines can be disrupted so easily by an untrained employee, imagine what a well-trained person can do with bad intent. So again, just from my observations, these machines are a waste of money, a waste of time, and we should just get back to paper ballots. Hand counting just like they do in France. So we shall see. So the Cochrane study came out several weeks ago. And it's the most comprehensive study regarding whether masks work against spreading COVID. And its conclusion was masks do not work. Full stop, according to the author. But that doesn't stop Anthony Fauci from obfuscating backtracking, double-speaking. With that said, I want to go to a clip with Fauci when he's confronted with the Cochrane study. So let's go to this clip, and then we'll come back and discuss. Uh, Brett Stevens in The Times talked about Cochrane. Put that on the screen. The most rigorous and comprehensive analysis of scientific studies conducted on the efficacy of masks for reducing the spread of respiratory illness, including COVID-19, was published last month. Its conclusions, said Tom Jefferson, the Oxford epidemiologist who is the lead author, were unambiguous. There is just no evidence that they, masks, make any difference, he told the journalist Mayanne Damasi, full stop. But wait, hold on. What about the N95 masks as opposed to the lower quality? Surgical or cloth masks makes no difference. None of it, he said. Well, what about the studies that initially persuaded policymakers to impose mask mandates? They were convinced by non-randomized studies, flawed observational studies. How do we get beyond that finding of that particular review? Yeah, but there are other studies, Michael, that show at an individual level for individual. When you're talking about the effect on the epidemic or the pandemic as a whole, the data are less strong. Oh, and that was Michael Smirkanish that was talking to Fauci. 
I just want to know what the heck was Fauci talking about? But there are other studies? On an individual basis, they work? But studies are made up of individual people. And I find it ironic that when you had all these studies out there that were saying ivermectin worked, hydroxychloroquine worked, vaccines don't work, he failed to acknowledge other studies while he was pushing for the vaccine, while he was pushing for remdesivir, but not when it suits him. And the Cochrane study called it at him out on it because, and the other studies that Fauci was referring to were just observational studies. And this is why we don't believe the institutions. The letter that these presidential libraries wrote that says that, oh, we have a duty to follow our institutions. Not when they're manned by people like Fauci. Not that when they're manned by Merrick Garland. These presidential libraries should have came out and condemned Garland, condemned the Fauci's of the world for undermining the people's confidence in these institutions. And the funny thing with Fauci, he, he can just lie and mislead with a straight face. That's what makes him a good politician. That's why he was so successful in Washington. He could take half-baked science and push it with a straight face. So we shall see. I want to play a short clip from Mike Pence. He was speaking up at St. Anselm's College in uh, New Hampshire this week. And it was quite bizarre. So let's go to the clip, and then we'll come back and discuss. In the days to come, will we be the party of conservatism, or will we follow the siren song of populism unmoored to conservative principles? The future of this movement and this party belongs to one or the other, not both. So his speech was a little confusing. He went on to equate the MAGA movement to liberals. MAGA is not conservative, according to him. So he had a second chance to clarify what the heck he was talking about at St. Anselm's on uh, Rob Schmidt's show. And if you get a chance, uh, Rob Schmidt's on Newsmax. He's got a great show. I think it's at uh, 8 o'clock. So essentially, Schmidt asked him, well, what are you talking about here? And here's what he told Schmidt. In a nutshell, he says, I'm a neocon. And I support the policies that have put the American middle class in disarray. And I just want to read you an article. It's from CNBC. And you have to understand these neocons are a cornerstone of the military-industrial complex, the war machine. And let me just read you this article. And the headline says, Ukraine drone supplier, Aerovironment, soars more than 20%, best day in over two years. Drone manufacturer Aerovironment shares rallied 20% on Wednesday on the back of better-than-expected fiscal first quarter results. Wednesday's gain, its biggest since January 2021, put the stock up 34% for 2023. The future of defense and warfare really is about unmanned systems, and we are in the forefront of that, CEO Wahid Nawabi said on CNBC's closing bell on Wednesday. The firm currently has eight different systems supporting Ukraine's fight, Nawabi added. The Virginia-based weapons manufacturer earned $1 per share on revenue of $152 million. So is this the system that we want, where Wall Street and stocks benefit from the death of Ukrainians, Russians? They're making money on this. 
they're making money on the policies of Mike Pence and the policies that Mike Pence wants to push forward. And like Eisenhower said, beware of the military-industrial complex. I know I've said it a couple times this podcast, but it rings true today. So we've got these stocks, we've got these American defense contractors making a ton of money off of the lives of Ukrainians, Russians. Is that what our foreign policy should be? And guess who is the largest stockholder in this company? BlackRock. BlackRock, the the company that buys up single-family homes so young American couples can't buy them. They've been part of jacking up this price of housing over the past number of years. BlackRock and its CEO, Larry Fink, who wants to push equity and social justice onto the companies that he owns. So that's what their motivation is. Fun war so I can make money and screw the young American homeowner that's looking to buy a house for him and his wife and his kid. Quite frankly, those are perverted priorities. And this is Pence's definition of being a conservative. War and taking jobs and moving them overseas. And while I'm at it, I just found it odd that Pence talked about the siren of populism. And what the sirens were, this is in Greek mythology, uh, sirens were these monsters that lived on an island. And as sailors went by, they were beautiful, and they sang this beautiful song that lured sailors toward the island where they would crash their boats in the rocks and die. Killers. That's what the sirens were, killers. And that's what he's calling Trump. That's what he's calling Trump supporters. So we shall see. Oh, and this is just breaking news. The Georgia Special Grand Jury recommended charges for Senator Lindsey Graham and former Senator David Perdue and former Senator Kelly Loeffler. So remember, with down in Atlanta, they had a special grand jury first, and they didn't have the ability to indict, but they could make a recommendation to the attorney general on who to indict. So it just came out today that this special grand jury, along with Donald Trump, recommended that they indict Lindsey Graham, David Perdue, and Kelly Loeffler. Why didn't that happen? Because it's all about getting Trump. It's all about this coordinated effort to get Trump. And again, time is on our side because the truth eventually comes out. Now, we know what the truth is, but more and more people that don't know the truth right now, all this information that's coming out right now will help them find the truth. So there'll be more on this. So one last thing before I go. I just want to talk about this uh, pending indictment of Hunter Biden on a gun charge. And this is no more than window dressing by the DOJ. Where are the other indictments? They don't want to pursue any other indictments of Hunter because those indictments would involve Joe Biden. And they do not want to go near anything that touches upon Joe Biden. The money that came in from Burisma, Hunter not registering as a foreign agent. Same thing that put Paul Manafort in jail. Well, they're ignoring it right now at the DOJ. All because it could touch upon Joe Biden. But we shall see. So with that said, thank you so much for listening. You have a good week, and I will talk to you next Saturday.